to today's podcast. It's uh, Wednesday, July 21st. Is this a 30? Uh, Wednesday, July 21st. In podcast time, it's 3.44. I am going to endeavor to keep this monologue very short so I can make sure I have in podcast time our four o'clock guest ready to go. Um, already took some time with my good friend, my dear friend, who I don't I, I don't actually see her that much, but we've shared some very, I don't want to call them tender or sensitive, but some very powerful emotional moments together. My friend in recovery, Katie Helpman, a.k.a. Steve, I forget now why I called her that, will be by shortly. Um, I'm going to do my best to get the links for when Katie has been on before, when she has gone in, um, when in long form she has discussed her challenges with addiction from the beginning till then at the time, the shorter version um, today, as Katie and I usually kind of do this once a year, and she gives me an update where she is, and now there's more updates with her having kids than there are with her needing to beat back her urges. Um, but they are always there. So some time with Katie in recovery shortly. First, a couple of things. Um, n- hopefully you you correctly read the Facebook post I had up this morning. A couple of people kind of pulled me aside digitally and like, are you going to be a dad? No, 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 no. When I made the post about my mom having passed away six years or so ago and that we're ha- we're delighted that you're going to be a grandmother and that you will be a first-time grandmother in heaven of, uh, of humans, not dogs, which she has plenty of dog grandchildren. The only one she's met was, was Diddy when we were home many years ago. Uh, when we were home many years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is Paul. This, this is Paul and Tracy as Noel. Yeah, I'll be an uncle, not a dad. That's what that reference was to of her being a heavenly grandmother of humans, a human, a little girl. And it would be interesting. And I just spoke to uh, Tracy about this, asking her if you know she and Paul mostly, or if Paul's okay because I can see how he can be upset on the day that my mom died. Um, Year after year, she said he's okay, but I checked in on her because she's like, she she could have that kid now. And I said, wouldn't it be something if Noelle came on my mom's anniversary of leaving this world? She said she and Paul talked about that. So that's one thing. Another thing, uh, the, the list of who made the city council ballot came out yesterday. Uh, Dan Ortiz has been on the podcast a couple times, made it. Somebody here at work kept it totally quiet. He's on the ballot. James Cushlin, Jim Cushlin, Cush, who's on the sports station here. I'm going to have him on the podcast next week. Um, I I needed to get some idea. I, I have no idea what he stands for other than he loves sports. So I kind of gave him a quiz yesterday because he was talking about, oh, I got to get signs and, and, and knock on doors. And I'm always willing to help somebody um, do that stuff. And I said, let's say, here's my filter question. Let's say I put a Black Lives Matter or like in every, you know, love is love on my lawn. I was like, how would you feel about that sign? He's like, I wouldn't care. Like, perfect. How can I help you? So I intend to have Kush on the podcast next week. And I'm like, I have had these fleeting thoughts. I could run for city council. Should I? I mean, I, I think I'm a pretty... I'm I, I'm a decent human being, but not that this is savage presidential or high level politics. But there are things that somebody could 
definitely pull up on the podcast and go back and dig up. I'll give you an example in one second. People could pull up things on the podcast and dig for my skeletons. Not that I would think city council in Toledo would get really ugly and bashing and all that stuff. But there are, you could, somebody could just dig up a Facebook post and it's hard to even extract the context of some humor and go, yeah, Eric completely agrees with Thanos. Like Eric was all about eradicating half of the planet. And the only, you know, silver lining is he at least wanted to do it Thanos's way with it being random, but Eric was pretty adamant and, and pretty engaging when it comes to Thanos's beliefs of getting rid of half the planet. That and many other posts people could pull up. Not that I was necessarily a bad human, but like I was telling a friend of mine this morning, she was telling me she passed along the the tweet and some others have of this thing that's going a little viral about this nurse who is dealing with COVID patients saying something like, as these people are being intubated, they say, can I have the vaccine? And the nurse says, it's too late. And I just today I tweeted, can I be the designated person that tells that person who didn't want the vaccine? Sorry, too late. Like just saying that is not something that would be well looked upon by my opponents if I were running um, for city council. But again, again, I was telling that, that person today, like I don't have a problem when bad things happen to bad people. The Rush Limbaugh thing. He brought a lot of pain to people, a lot of pain to people who have been marginalized, uh, the gay community and beyond. He brought a lot of pain to those people. Well, what about what about his his loved ones and family members? I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who lose a loved one who is a terrible person. They're probably better off without that person in existence, and that way they're no longer irrationally and emotionally connected to a terrible person. And maybe they will get some reason and rationale going, oh boy, with, with some perspective, they they brought a lot of harm to people. But it's hard to do that when that person is still alive and you love and care for them deeply. Um, another thing, I was watching the press conference today of all the local authorities going through specifically the body cam footage of the gentleman the man, his name is Michael on Monroe Street. What well, was a Sunday night and a Monday morning um, who was taken down by many police officers. There were 53 shots fired by several agencies, but it was TPD and mostly uh, Chief Crawl speaking during the press conference. And um, it was an incredible job, almost a flawless job by um, the Toledo police officer who was trying to keep this man from taking his own life. Um Chief said, this is exactly what we we train these people. Uh, We want to de-escalate. And how this officer, it might have been a sergeant, was saying, Michael, using his name and talking about his family and that he'll, you know, his loved ones will miss him. Um, And the chief said that this is textbook definition of suicide by cop. And I watched the video and it absolutely was in fact, I'll, if you if you don't want to watch it, the chief said he was. It's hard to hear some of the things on the video, um, but if you raise some of the volume, you can. 
but not everybody has the ability to do that. But the chief said what Michael was saying, and that was um, he apologized to whichever officer was ultimately going to have to kill him, and please don't feel bad, you know, he also said, uh, one way I'm either going to live in hell with my life or go to hell for what I'm about to do. Um, he put the gun down and slowly raised it. And just as it was about at his waist, it wasn't directed at the police officers yet. It was still below a 90 degree angle. Obtuse, acute, it was below a 90 degree angle, but he was raising it and it would have been pointed in the direction of all the officers. And that's when they shot him. Um, the chief took a question. I don't, it might've been Emma from WTOL who asked the question and he said, great question. And that question was what should loved ones or family members or friends do of someone who is in a, in a mentally unwell state? Um, if they, you know, they have guns and he was like, that's a great question and please do what you can to take them away. And I messaged the chief that I was like, great question, great answer. And I said to him, um, cause I know he doesn't know all the things I talk about. As you've heard me say, I should never, and, and this is a tough nut to crack, but you know that I have said, I should, ne- with my mental health history, what I've said on the air, and I go, not everybody's privy to that, but the medications I've been on, the therapists I've been to, and I get it, uh, HIPAA and and uh, health privacy, but I am lucid and well enough to go, with what I've been through, who I've spoken to, what I take, what I've said, no one should legally be allowed to sell me a gun and to suss that out a little bit more. But Eric, you can just pick up a knife. You've talked about that before. And just, I know, but there's something more instantaneous about a weapon. And yeah, we do see things and hear things and that's why we're more drawn to them as copycats. Um, and again, that will likely never happen unless like I can put myself willingly put myself on a list to never be sold a weapon. Well, you can go get it illegally, but I, I wouldn't do that. But, um, he's right. And that's why, you know, I'm glad Alex and Bethany and none of my other close friends would never allow, if I was like, Hey, I'm going to get a gun just, you know, for protection. They would say, are you sure you want to do that? We know it's for protection, but you've said you shouldn't have a gun. Like, you know what? You're right. Do not let me have a weapon. Buy a samurai sword, which I think is kind of cool. Um, I don't think I would ever use that to kill myself, but um, I don't know if I mentioned this to the chief, but I did tell Alex. This guy, Michael, um, there are many people, much like the uh, the great Batman comic book, The Killing Joke, where the Joker's, the Joker's example, his message is, everybody is one bad day away from being me. Maybe not everybody, but there are too many people and too many people to access of lethal means, specifically guns, too many people who are truly one bad day away from being Michael. And in a way, I don't know how that police officer that took him down or those officers that fired those bullets, it will be on their consciences consciences for a while. Uh, If it's not, they too are sociopathic in some of their own ways but when it comes to things like this um not that i would ever if you're considering ending your life please get help ask me how i can help you because there will be people just like if i ended my life alex would miss me bethany people here at work my dad would be devastated my niece who is going to be here paul and tracy would be devastated that her uncle is gone um 
you will be missed. And it is, even if you think you're a burden now, um, your loved ones don't want the bigger burden of having to bury you. So get help, please. But if you ever get to that point where you consider ending your life, please don't let any blood splatter on someone else like those police officers because then they have to live with it. Don't walk into traffic or anything like that where someone else has to live with your suicide. Do it to yourself. I I know that that sounds dark and completely macabre and the opposite of everything that I stand for, but like I say, we can't save everybody, whether it's criminality or suicide. We can't save everybody, and that's a reality. And all I ask is that if you do choose to end your life, and please do not let me or someone help you, but if that's where you are, please don't let that that blood splatter on someone else, on a police officer, on a car, um, anywhere. Just do it privately. Um, again, kind of a heavy thing, and we'll continue that with my good friend, uh and uh, recovering addict, and we'll talk about how to phrase things with my good friend Katie Heltman. Oh, so much better! You sound <laughs> super pregnant. If, if I were, if I didn't even know you were pregnant, I would say this is what a pregnant person sounds like. Oh, you're you're crazy. You have given up drugs and gotten addicted to making children. There is no addiction to making children. I promise you that. <laughs> when are you due? <laughs> two months, September twentieth. Two months, and then as as some friends of mine have said, is is the kitchen closed? Is the ba- baby factory shut down? It will completely be shut down after this one. I promise you that. <laughs> uh, are you gonna have a little boy, little girl? I'm. I'm. This is we're we're live on the podcast, which means I'm recording. So anything you don't want in the podcast, don't say or tell me to edit out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but it's it's a boy. So at this point, with the older two, we'll be evened out at two of each, and. I'm good with dealing with four children. Wait, <laughs> hold on. So the but the older two, those are that's Tommy's kids, right? Yeah, but he's got full custody. So got it, got it, got it, got it. Boy, you have and our house is too our our house is too small right now to have any more children. So what? Did I do the keyword? Um, I did do the keyword. Have you uh, have you guys like looked to move? I, I I I'm sure you know it's like brutal out there looking for a house. Yeah, we like we're we're trying to get because obviously in addiction we're not focused on finances, so we're taking the next year to focus on our finances and getting that back on track before we start looking. And maybe just maybe housing will be a little bit easier next year. I think so. I think oh. so. Um, yeah, yeah, the only way that like really any middle class person could afford probably the house that they would like right now is if they were dealing and selling, not doing because, uh, and I would never encourage that, but like the market is just wild right now. I know. Uh, my mom just bought a house recently and I think she ended up paying like 20 grand over what they, uh, asking price. So yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) As usual, we'll talk about your mom, but you, uh, you had mentioned, um, addiction. So I was having a discussion with a friend of mine today. She is, um, 
basically like in charge of the in charge of the opioid coalition for the Lucas County Health Department. And her and I have become very close over the last year or so. And every every like once a week, I ask her like, "Have you ended the opioid crisis yet?" Um, and I told her <laughs> it's I, only getting worse still. <laughs> and we'll get to that too. Um, I messaged her today. I said, I'm having my recovering heroin addict friend on the pod today. Any suggested questions? And I'm going to give you hers, but she suggested that I should leave the addict part out um, and just say a person in recovery. So what what's a good way to go about saying it? And I know you're very chill and um, won't get on somebody and you, you know that the, what the intent is, but in general, generally speaking, what's the best way to address someone who is going through what you are? I mean, I I call myself a recovering addict. Okay. So I still I still use I still use the term addict. I don't I don't I mean, some people might um, feel a different type of way, but with everything that I've gone through in life, I'm not really ashamed to admit that I've had you know, past issues in my life. I got, uh, I have my most recent tattoo is addict on a tombstone with like the first date I used and the last date I used. So it's blatant for me. You know what I mean? If somebody sees me that, you know, like I will, I was an addict. I'm now a recovering addict and that's how I view myself at least. Okay. And I know it's different for everybody. That's what it makes. That's why it makes it so hard for, for like, for, for anybody. Like, it's a similar situation when it comes to people who are disabled. Hand, like, I don't know what to use with. The, we have this problem these days, and it's good. I mean, we the right people like myself just want to know um, what what is the best thing to do. But everybody who is under a certain umbrella likes something different. So. Um, I, I get that, and that's why I wanted to bring it up with you. Can I throw my friend's questions at you now? Yeah, go ahead. Um, as someone in recovery, how can you feel more supported by uh, the community? Ooh, that, so that's a tough one because there are, I feel like it's opposite ends of the spectrum for people in the community. Either they're extremely supportive of someone who's, you know what I mean, in process of changing their life, or they still want to judge you based off of what you've done in the past. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, in reality, and I know I've said this to you before, but for the most part, addicts are good people who made really bad decisions. Yeah. You know, I didn't, when I... When I took my first opiate, I didn't know, I really didn't even know what opiates were. Um, you know, so I took it, didn't think anything of it. And as my addiction progressed, like, it wasn't until I started shooting up and tried to stop on my own that I realized I really was powerless over the drug. Yeah. You know, but... Like, I was naive when I started, and then I did things I never imagined I would do um, in my addiction to support it. And even though I've done those things and and hurt people closest to me, 
I'm what, five, over five and a half years clean now. So I've built relationships back and, and I've made amends to people and just trying to right my wrongs from, you know, a decade of using, it's going to take a while, but each step forward is obviously in the right direction and I'm not taking steps backwards. So that's the, that's the biggest plus. Yeah. Um, I don't want to have you retell your story again. Um, I will just say that uh, if people are intrigued at this point, um, get with me for the links. I think you've been on the pod twice to share that story, so I'll be happy to share those out again. And we, this is just this is just me and you catching up because we haven't for a while because of babies and pandemics and all that stuff. Um, we're we're going we're over two years. Can you believe that? It's been two years since we've done a podcast. Has it been that long? Yeah. I don't believe yes, you. it has, because I was pregnant with Daylin. I have, I have some of our pictures, because you always have to get a selfie, um, and they're dated. I'll have to look them up. Not that I, not that I don't trust we just you. Had one, we just had one recently. Well, no, it wasn't. It, the one we had, the, our most recent memory was when uh, TR was still in, like, the first round of working with the community and we came and brought all the TR gear to the other channel. And I think, is it September when you, (laughs) is it, there's, and then there's one post every year that comes up. Is that, is that the September post that we share? Um, no, I think it, I think it would have been like May. Because it was the one, yes. I think it was the last time I was pregnant with her and you talked about my belly button. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of something else. All right, well, um, so I, I'm going to answer my... Oh, that one. Th- that one. Uh, I don't remember when that was. I think it's September every year. Um, let me give you another one of my friend's questions, and, and I'll, I'll I'll answer her question for you. How can people feel more supported? Instead of being one of the extremes, just treat an addict, someone in recovery, like a normal person. How about that? That... That would be a plus. Um, okay. What do you wish people would know? What assumptions should people stop making about someone in active substance use? I think, I think, you, um, I think you, maybe I'll, I'll walk you down. <laughs> I, I think you partially answered it, that you want to be doing that, that, that you have control over it. Yeah. I mean, it comes there comes a point where that's the only life that we know. Um, and it, it really does suck to say that, but after so long, we don't know how to function properly without it. It's just our, our brains and our bodies have become so like our, like our brains have changed. The, the, the chemical makeup of our brains have changed yep. after so long an addiction that, we really can't the the withdrawal is worse for us in that moment than you know i mean trying to go find 10 20 dollars to just get better like and get better by not being dope sick or going through the withdrawal and in in the same way that when your stomach is growling and it's telling you that you need to nourish it and you need to eat 
your brain is telling you to feed the addiction. Like you literally do not have control over it. Yeah, I that that seems to be a good like comparison. Um, let's talk about like how bad things have been over the last year. And I was pretty happy, surprised, but still a little reticent and reluctant to believe all the stuff. Um, suicides had kind of plateaued or they had not skyrocketed suicides from 2020 had not skyrocketed as many people expected. And I saw two pieces of two reports that, that supported that. And I was like, okay, this is like good news. I'll, I'll take any level of good news, but I'm going to, I'm going to be cynical about it. And then just in the last week, and maybe you've seen this, that overdose deaths were up 30%. And that was a a skyrocketing number from 72,000 to 92,000. And, um, when I do the Suicide Coalition presentations, we always talk about how many overdoses um, or even suicides. It's hard to really categorize them, but I would guess, and obviously I want your input here, from going from 72,000 to 92,000 overdose deaths, many of those could have potentially been suicides or unintentional suicides. What have you seen about drug usage, drug addiction, drug addiction from the pandemic? Um, so the things that I've seen is, I mean, obviously people are still using, um, I know, I think treatment facilities struggled, um, with when everything was shut down, people didn't have places to openly go, um, to try and get the help they needed. Cause a lot of addicts do have the mental health. It's, it's usually a dual diagnosis. Yeah. Um, you know, and and honestly, so um, a few months ago, one of the people that I was in recovery with early on overdosed and died. Mm-hmm. Um, and and his death hit me extremely hard. Um, I keep I keep his like funeral card right underneath my radio, and I see it every time I get in my car. Um, you know, and it's, he struggled back and forth. He, he would get clean and he'd be doing good in life and then something would happen and he'd go back to, to using. And, and this time around from the things I heard, like he had been doing good and he ended up having to serve some jail time. He got out and then for whatever reason, decided to pick up and overdosed and died. You know, because his body didn't have tolerance that it had before. Was, um, was some of, uh, said he went back and forth on and off, was uh, what, was he, were there any of his problems because of the, the pandemic? Because like you said, it, it was probably harder to get treatment. Um, people couldn't work. I mean, if that didn't affect him, I'm sure it, I'm sure that it affected some people in those thousands that have died because, you know, when you can't do anything, when you can't go anywhere and you can't work, when times are tough, I realize how you can lose all of your coping strategies and just and go right to what put you in a different place, a different mindset before. And that, that was often drugs. And, and I agree with that, you know, and even even meetings, you know, I mean, meetings closed down so people couldn't go to their support groups. And, you know, it took a couple months before people started even um, being able to set up Zoom meetings to be able to, you know, connect with people. And 
um, try to get some type of support going online so people felt they had somewhere to go. I mean, I remember I still short when stuff started opening back up, um, I was struggling with my mental health. And the first, my third, my first thought was find a support meeting. Um, and I, I made a post on Facebook and two people responded and they knew of like one woman's meeting that, um, was back open. You know, it's just people who were in recovery. They, they lost the ability to go in and speak to people who understood. Yeah. And then when you, when you can't talk about it and you don't have, you know, anywhere to go or, um, you're not reaching out to obviously like the right people. Your thought is, well, I still got, I still got the dope boy. Yeah, the He's do- going to answer the, my call. The dope boy didn't close up with, uh, with COVID restrictions. Nope. Sure. Didn't. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think he probably got, he probably got more business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why when I saw the, the suicide numbers were not up, like I knew that there was going to be another part to this and it's probably in that number from 72,000 to 92,000. It was unfortunately terribly predictable and it's just why it's, it's one of the many things that have made the pandemic so bad outside of the, you know, the obvious loss of life. Um, what are the things that you have done other than, uh, get pregnant, take care of your little girl, take care of Tommy and the other kids, uh, to keep yourself busy and to do your coping strategies so that you can stay in recovery? Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked through the entire pandemic. My job did not close. So I was able to keep a job and, you know, I, although I moved to night shift, um, at the end of last year. So I like lost out on like my coworkers that Mm -hmm. I always turn to, um, you know, but they were still obviously available if I, you know, went into work early or reached out to them. Um, and honestly, a couple months ago, I ended up getting back on my antidepressant because I knew I couldn't, like, I knew my warning signs. I knew what I was feeling. Um, I was able to recognize it, and I reached out to my doctors. I still do Zoom meetings with my therapist, um, you know, because they won't, they thought about going back to in-person um, meetings and then decided it wasn't safe. So at least my therapist stayed up with Zoom meetings. And if I needed anything extra, I could call her. Um, the antidepressant has helped me tremendously to even things out. Because I started, I started getting really worried that the way I was feeling in pregnancy would just skyrocket postpartum. Right. Um, and I didn't want to go through that, you know. Um, so what, what's your medication? I feel what? What's your medication? Uh, Lexapro. Hmm. An oldie but a goodie. <laughs> <laughs> I had tried. There was other ones that I tried um, early in recovery that just weren't working right. And then um, I don't know if if you remember. A couple years ago, well, it would be three years at this point when I reached out to you 
looking for some place to go on a Saturday night um, to find help because I was having like the suicidal thoughts. And that's when I got put on the Lexapro. And then I ended up getting off of it after I had Dalen um, to see how I, you know, if I could handle life unmedicated. And then I got pregnant this time and my hormones and emotions just started running rampant. And I talked to my OB and waited another month and things didn't get better. And they're like, I was, I was like, let's the pro work before. Let's, let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's helping. Um, how are you, how do you feel about, um, Narcan? Um, I know there are uh, many people in your community or, or just outside of it that all, like, like my friend who works in the health department who are believers of like always carrying Narcan. So, so funny story. Um, <laughs> not funny at all. It's not funny at all. But um, there was actually at work the one night somebody went out to their car on their break and ended up overdosing. And um, my first thought was, I need to try and get Narcan into my job. Mm-hmm. I need to reach out to whoever I can to get the training, um, so that way they could have it on hand. Because with what I heard from different people, don't know how long the guy was overdosed for before paramedics arrived. And it took them, I think they said, four doses of Narcan Mm. um, to bring him back. And I struggled because people at work, you know, instantly were, had that negative mindset. And I wanted to... Like, I didn't know for sure what had happened that first night. Um, but the rumors had started spreading instantly. And when I found out it was true, um, I went to the supervisor on duty and I started talking to him. And I said, I know, I know I can get somebody or I can find out someone who does Narcan training for Lucas County and I can get it. You know what I mean? I can get it into JM and I can get it to. Um, even if it's just like the supervisors or the EMR people at work, like it needs to be here. Were they receptive? Um, so, yeah, I mean, they were, but then by the time I like it went up the chain, um, they had somebody already working on it, you know, but I also found out that, so I work in Waterville and in Waterville, even though it's Lucas County, Waterville, like with their jurisdiction, if somebody overdoses, they don't have to take them to the hospital. If they say that they don't want to go, they're allowed to just leave, which then means DART doesn't have access to them. They don't have the access to the resources to attempt to get better. Um, cause this guy was refusing to go to the hospital. Um, and the supervisor on duty was like, he's not coming back to work. Like I will, I, I will take him into the office and I will get somebody, you know what I mean? To come pick him up, but he's not coming back to work and he's not driving, you know, and I guess, um, I think the chief might've showed up, you know, and eventually got the guy to go to the hospital and I'm not sure what happened after that. Um, 
but it definitely it definitely like opened I'll say it opened my eyes to really realize how uh how his people lives were consumed by it. Yeah. You know, the, this guy had this guy had a couple hours left in his shift and felt the need, you know, that he had to go get high before he could go back into work and almost died because of it. Yeah. You know, and 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 it really did affect me and I, I talked to you know, because <laughs> one of the day shifters came in and he was like I go jokingly made a comment about somebody like overdosing. And so another coworker that I'm fairly close to like laughed about it. And I was like, can we not like, can we not react that way to this? Like it's more serious than what you guys obviously realize or want to believe. Yeah. You know, and, and me as a recovering addict, I have a different mindset on the whole situation than somebody who thinks it's funny you know, or well, wants to make jokes about it. Hopefully them and others who do that when you're around are receptive to listening to you and what you've been through and how you can educate them. Um, I have one last question because I don't want to keep you too much longer. Steve, um, <laughs> you had mentioned that you had devastated a lot of relationships. And the one that I always go back to you feeling the worst about when it comes to that was your relationship with your mom. But thankfully, the last couple of times we've done these, you have uh, been much better with your mom and you said she bought a house. So how are things with Mama Steve? Mama Bear. Um, she, I mean, she's, she's good. Um, our relationship continues to grow. Um, as I go through things that are different in this pregnancy than they were with Daylin, um, she's always, she's always there to, you know, kind of boost my morale when I'm getting down about certain things or struggling. Um, we ended up, she like for Christmas I asked her for rest restaurant gift cards and a babysitter coupon so Tommy and I could have date night so you know roughly once a month she watches Dalen so Tommy and I can still get some kid free time because awesome. um, I think every relationship needs that. <laughs> How is that? Uh, what, um, what is but, what's her uh, what's her grandmother name? Uh. Granny, granny, or Granny Bear. <laughs> Good. Well, <laughs> is she loving being a grandmother? Um, I I truly believe that she does. Okay. Um, you know, I I mean, I can't say anything because obviously I don't have grandkids, but I'm assuming it's nice to have the relationship but be able to give the kid back. Right. After right. So right. Long. Right, right, right. That's, that's, like when I, that's like when I date people and people are like, you're so good with kids. Why don't you have your own? I'm like, because I can give them back. Um, well, I don't want to like... Speaking of, speaking, speaking of dating, you, sir. Yes, Steve. <laughs> you haven't filled me in on 
on this new one for you. I know, I know. Uh, I've kept it mostly, for the most part, off of social, and uh, I and I'm going to leave that off of the podcast for the moment. But I'll uh, I'll message That's you and, and give you what's going on. But it was good to catch up. I I was thinking what I'll do is I'll grab the links from our old stuff and include that in the link for this podcast so people can hear the uh, the longer story. But um, you're you're getting really good at this. I mean, I've I've had a good instructor. Oh, stop, stop! It's just you know practice. Just just like making babies, you're clearly good at that too. Oh, it's used to you. Stop it! <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tell tell Tommy I said hello and thank him for uh, for giving you the time to uh, hop on, and I will message you shortly. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Right. It was nice to it was nice to chat with you again, of but co- of course, not the same as our usual studio yes, podcast. Yes, uh, you can take an imaginary selfie with 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 me there. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll right. Photoshop some stuff. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. That's one guest down for the day. Another enjoyable one to come. This one much different. You might have heard us talk about on the podcast or hopefully you're listening to the radio show too. Um, Destination picnic. Luxury picnics have become a big thing. Not surprisingly, right? I guess they're big on TikTok, which I'm about to learn, um, during the pandemic. And we have a local one right here. Destination Picnic with Sabria Davis, a TSA alum. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. And it is a pleasure to meet you. Um, I think I might have mentioned, I love adding TSA people, except for Gerke, uh, but alums and students <laughs> to my uh, to my collection of uh, that I already have. So thanks for taking some time and... Um, Again, I love TSA. Me too. <laughs> um, what's uh, what's your best? Do you have a Dave Gerke story that you might want to share with us? Um, oh, oh, good question. <laughs> I thought I thought everybody at TSA has a Gerke story. I don't know if I have a specific one. It's 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 just he's a funny guy. He he's is. very funny. I he, see him around a lot and. He picks with people. Yes. And it's hilarious. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, so let's dive into this. Thanks again for taking some time. Uh, we talk, I talked about you uh, last week both on the podcast and on the show. You have created something that I read about. I Maybe it was as late as, or as long ago as last summer where luxury picnics were becoming a thing. And I'll just jump ahead and say, you are Destination Picnic. Can you talk about what it is, how you created it, and uh, a little bit more about it. Uh, sure. Um, there was a lot of luxury picnics that you've seen on TikTok and stuff, and I wanted to do something like that for my birthday, and there was nothing in the area that catered to what I wanted. So I decided to make it myself, and people saw it, and it started to pick up, and they were like, can I book with you? So I decided to go ahead and start doing picnics, and we started around the end of May. And so we had to get licensing and decorations and everything. And it took a little bit of a while, but now it it really has picked up and we get a lot of bookings. And our setups include things like charcuterie boards, games, painting activities, different little things that people just really enjoy it. Yeah, I know this became a, picnics became a big thing because they were something that we could do um, safely during uh, during the pandemic, so I'm glad that you've brought it here. How, how old are you? You're not. How, yeah, how old are you? I'm sorry. 
I'm 22. 22. So I'm pretty, pretty young doing it. Yeah, for sure. Like, and have you been overwhelmed at all with the response? I have. So <laughs> some days, some days I have to take like hours out of my day to respond to emails and get booking things together or custom picnics and pick out things for people and make sure they like it. So it's pretty time consuming, but I enjoy it. What was, uh, the, the article was in the blade last week. When did, did, I'm sure that really boosted business, but when did things really start to, to pick up? I know you said you started in, in May. Was there a moment or a post or something and all of a sudden you got flooded with contacts? Uh, yeah, we, um, we would post it in buy, sell trade groups on Facebook for Toledo, Sylvania, things like that. And that really picked up. And then we reached out to WTOL to do a story and we were on the morning news for that. And from there, it's just been nonstop. Did you get to talk to Amanda that morning uh, around nine o'clock or so? Um, or was it during the week? It was during the week. Yeah, it, was, it might've been Amanda. She's uh, she's great. And they, they do great like local stories like that. Um, so let's say I hear about Destination Picnic and I don't know what I'm getting into. What's the, the first, how, how do I reach out? And then what's the process like? Well, to reach out, we have a site, we have email, phone number, and I can list a couple of those. Sure. Yeah, yeah we can get to uh, we can get this at the end. So I, uh, I, I find the website, I give you a call. Do you pick up or how does it work? I do pick up. I always try to answer if I'm if, only if I'm not setting up a picnic currently, I will answer my phone. Um, you can text our number, email us any questions you have on how to book. I had someone call me today to go through the booking with them, so we can help you get it together. What are uh, so walk me through it? Like, let's say I've heard. I, so, hi, Sabria. This is Eric. I I heard about you on a, a on a radio podcast, and I'd love to have a luxury picnic for me and my girlfriend. What do you suggest? I would suggest that you book our luxury picnic because it comes with all the amenities already. It comes with a charcuterie board and desserts and drinks and games already included. So it's a one-stop package and you will not have to scroll all the way through our websites and look at everything else. What, uh, what, how does it work for the location? And I know you're doing some work with the Metro Parks, right? Yeah. For the locations, we do set up at basically any of the metro parks around the Toledo area. And we also can set up in your home or in your backyard. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, And you bring everything like the, the food and and I don't, I don't have to bring a thing, right? Not a thing. We will bring the table, the place settings, games. We will come back after the picnic's over and clean up everything. You can leave your trash there. If you brought anything extra, I'm willing to pick that up. Love that. What are some of the games that you're, uh, you've been mentioning? Uh, the games that we have is just like card table games or card games. We have Uno, uh, a card game called Are We Really Strangers, Jenga, just playing, playing cards, and Connect Four. Very cool. Well, I love this idea. I'm glad that uh, you were able to stumble across it on TikTok and bring it here. What's been your favorite part about the entire experience so far? My favorite part is probably making connections because you never know who's going to book the picnic with you guys. So I have met a lot of people who have connections with other news stations or people who help 
young entrepreneurs market their business even more. So that's been really great. Yeah. Um, I have to connect you. Have you, have you connect, have you heard about the Toll House Social Club? I have not. Um, it is a brainchild of Will Lucas, who has cre- who created Creatio, which is like a one-stop shop for uh, media. He's got a podcast called Black Tech Green Money, and uh, they are looking for lots of entrepreneurs, uh, like the next generation of yeah. uh, entrepreneurs and innovators. So it's a cool spot, and like I'm, I'm all about networking and connecting people who I know with others. So I'd love to uh, introduce you to whoever you might be looking to get in with, and maybe we can do something um, with Destination Picnic on the radio station. Because I, again, I absolutely love the idea, and uh, I'm glad that business has been booming so far. What, what do you before Destination Picnic? Like, what was your normal day like? Job, school. Um, well, I am a multi business owner. Actually, I, um, me and my sister, we run a graphic design business called Davis Designs and Consulting. So that takes up a lot of time. To also, so with the two businesses, it's it's pretty overwhelming sometimes. And then I costume. I'm costuming for the rep Toledo Rep Theater right now, and then co-directing choreographing at the Croswell Opera House in Adrian, Michigan. So I have a full plate. Wow, you're super busy. And I know that uh, the Croswell, I think the Croswell just opened back up, right? Yep. And the rep is going to open back up in September with uh, the indoor shows, right? Yep. Awesome. You are super busy. Congratulations uh, with all the success that you're having. It sounds very well deserved and probably lots more to come your direction. Oh, for sure. Um, Sabria Davis, Destination Picnic. How about some uh, some some social links, phone numbers, emails, whatever we can pass along to uh, connect people with your with uh, with the opportunity? Okay, um, our phone number is four one nine four five two. Wait, you cut out. Hold on. Back up. Four one nine. Sabria. Four one nine. Yep. Four five two. Hello. Yeah, I'm I'm here. Four one nine four five two. Did I lose you? Zero five seven two. Okay. And then our website is www.destinationpickpic.com. Awesome. And for the Instagram, pretty easy to find as well, I'm sure. Um, yes. th- this was great. It's great getting to talk to you. You, uh, two of my, my close, my closest friends from, uh, TSA are Neil Powell. Do you know Neil at all? It's cutting out a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, we can wrap up. Yep, I can hear you. So I'll just say thank you for the time. Good luck with everything. And uh, let me get back in touch with you real soon, okay? All right. Thank you.